Um, so hey, um, last week I, I quoted a, a famous novel by Charles Dickens. And I did it talking about work and with the idea that work can be both good and it can be bad. And the quote is this, it's from Charles Dickens, it's from the, the, the novel A Tale of Two Cities, and this is, this is the quote, that it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And if you really think about how life works, that's very true. That, well, last week we talked about how that pertains specifically to your work and how you can, you can do a job that you love. It can be fulfilling, it can be rewarding, but almost in the same time, it can be frustrating. It can be hard. It can be full of unknown situations that you are unaware of. And so, that, like, that's kind of the idea that the author of Ecclesiastes takes into our text this morning. And what I find so interesting I'm always a proponent of expository preaching. I always think that the best way to go is just to preach through books of the Bible verse by verse. And one of the reasons why I feel this is because in times like these, I find it so interesting how the Lord speaks through his word in ways that we could have never planned even if we tried. We, we decided that we would speak in Ecclesiastes last November we came up with the series title somewhere probably a week after that. And then we, probably 1st of December, we picked which dates we would be speaking on the text as they come. So this was determined three months ago, long before, when we, long before we thought of the coronavirus in this way. And yet this is the text that we have this morning. Let me read it to you. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we'll start in verse 1. It says this, it says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. (laughs) This one seems particularly pertinent. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to, to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What the author is doing here is he's talking about two extremes of life and everything in between. That what I love about this text is that it is an accurate picture of how life works. I mean, even as you think about your situation, you think about your life, let's just be honest, there are seasons where you could probably pick one of those words to characterize a time in your life, right? Like maybe, maybe you walked through a season that was particularly hard, and so as you look back on that time in your life, you would say that was a season of weeping. Maybe there was a season of your life 
where, where it, was, it was happy. Maybe, you know, you had a bunch of kids get married, or, or maybe you, you, you were having children, or maybe it was just a good time at work, and you look at that season of your life, and you would characterize it as maybe a season of laughing. But here's what the author wants us to do. He, he wants us to zoom out of those seasons so that when we do, we realize that good seasons have bad, and bad seasons have good. And even if you were to think about the text that I just read, let's be honest, we probably wish that we could approach it a lot more like a buffet than just like the course. That if we could go through the list, we say, you know what I'll do? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take, take dancing. I'm going to take birth. I'm going to take embracing. I'm going to take speaking. Or maybe we would say it this way. We would say, I'll take spring break without the coronavirus. But, but here's the thing. That's not how life works. That's not the world that we live in. That we live in a world where there are seasons. That there's always something good happening with something bad. And even as we've been calling this series, What is Life? We've done so kind of as the author would seek his quest for meaning. Like, what is life? How do I find meaning? How do I find purpose? But what I find so interesting is where we get this morning, it's less of a quest for meaning, and it's, it's more of an explanation of how things work. That, that under heaven, there are seasons, there are times, but what we need to do is we've got to discipline ourselves to look beyond heaven where seasons are different, to look beyond the sun where God dwells. I mean, I think, about, I think about this season that we're in right now. It's so weird. Like, you can look at it, it's good and bad. Like right now, this is spring break. A lot of people are, are, have vacations planned, there are things they're going to go, they're outside of school, that there is this, like, excitement that comes with being able to break from the routine. And while that is happening, we've got this pandemic where we're all trying to figure out what to do. That there is both good and there is both bad. And, and, and as we see that life maybe doesn't always go the way we want, as we think about how in the midst of our seasons there is both good and bad, if we were to all be really honest, we would just pick the good. And so what people do with that type of a heart is they say, okay, since bad happens, I'm going to try to control my life in such a way where I only experience the good. And when you do that, you find yourself frustrated. You find yourself running up against the wall. You find yourself at a place where you don't want to be. That oftentimes our response to the seasons is saying, I'm going to try to control things. And, and, and the thing is, what this shows us is because life does, gives us good and bad, is that there are things that are going to happen to us 
that, we, that if we could control, we would do it differently, but we just don't. There's this famous quote from, um, it's a famous poem. It's called Invictus. And it, the, the word Invictus means unconquerable. And this is, this, these are two lines from the poem, and this is, this is the author's way of dealing with his lack of control. Look at it here. He says, I think whatever gods there may be for my unconquerable soul, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Here's the irony. He says he's the captain of his soul. He says that he's the master of his fate. He's looking at good and bad, and he's saying, I am in control. I take only the good. That poem was written by a man named Ernest Henley. He died when he was 53 years old because he fell off a railroad, railroad car. I don't say that to be insensitive. I say that to say we have a lot less control than we realize. And when we realize that we don't have control, we have to respond by putting our trust in the one who does. Like we don't know what tomorrow holds, but he does. He's there. He's in control of the seasons. And so what you have here in Ecclesiastes is you have the author say what life is like. This is what you can expect. This is true because there's both good and there's both bad. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, then what do I do in response to this? And he answers this question in verse 9. Look at this here. Going back to work, he says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with, he has also made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God is doing and what God has done from beginning to end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to enjoy and to be joyful and to do what is good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that the people may fear before him. That which is already has been and to which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. So you have an explanation of life, and then you have an explanation of how we are to respond to life. And I want to give you three actions that we see present here so that we know how to respond to life. The first thing is this. Life's full of both good and bad, and so we have to respond by trusting the one who's in control. And just so we're clear, like that isn't you. The one who is in control is the one who is above the sun. That he cares about you more 
than you could ever know. And the reason why you have to trust him is because there's both good and bad. But even though there's both good and bad, his word says that he has made everything beautiful in his time. That that means everything. That means there are things in your life that are going to come your way that you're not going to understand. But just because you don't understand, it doesn't mean that it's true. There's a good chance that some of you are walking through things right now. And your question is, how in the world can God make this beautiful? And I would just say to you that it's really not on us to understand, but you've got to ask yourself, what are you going to trust? Are you going to trust God's promise? Or are you going to focus on your problem? And hear me. I don't know that we're going to be able to make sense of every difficult situation that comes to us this side of heaven. There are things in my life where I look back on and I'm like, you know, I don't know that I'm able to make sense of that. I don't know why that happened that way. I have a hard time seeing how this could be made beautiful. But here's what I can tell you. There are also situations that I can look back on, which is a little bit of perspective and the perspective of time. And I can, I can absolutely see how God took something that was difficult in the moment and he's made it beautiful in his time. I'm sure there are a lot of you who, when you think about your spouse, that your spouse probably isn't the first person that you ever dated seriously, were they? I would bet that, that in your pursuit of finding a spouse, I bet you encountered a lot of duds, a lot of people who made you frustrated. I would bet that even in a moment of vulnerability, that some of you would probably acknowledge there are people in your life who broke your heart, which means if someone broke your heart, that means that, that you were more into them than they were into you. Maybe for some of you, you were single for a long period of time, and, and there was moments where you wondered if you would ever find that person. And yet now here you are, married and happy with someone that you love, and as you zoom out, you're able to see those difficult situations, and you're able to see how God has made it beautiful in his time. And I would bet that while there are situations that aren't going to make sense, there are several that do. But you're not able to see it because right now you're walking through it. But even as we look at this situation as a church, okay, so we're like trying to figure out like what do we do when we don't meet? We have to be really careful to make sure that our knee-jerk reaction isn't why is God doing this? But our knee-jerk reaction needs to be, God, how can you use this? Because his word says, I make everything beautiful in my time. So for all we know is we're trying to figure out what we can do. Here's our prayer, is that we're going to stumble on ways to help people know Jesus better that we would have never found if it wasn't for this. That we believe that God is going to show us, give us opportunities that we wouldn't have had through this situation. And so we're just going to trust and believe that he makes everything beautiful in his time and that he is the one who is in control. Now that's not to say that you are to long for difficult seasons. That's not to say that you're to, to not acknowledge the pain that can be there in those moments that you wish they weren't there. 
But what you're to do is you're to shift your focus beyond the sun and trust the one who will make sense of it all someday. So the first thing we do is we trust the one who's in control. The second thing that we do is we live our life when these seasons happen where there's good and bad. The second thing you do is you do this, is that you've got to learn to enjoy and appreciate the good that comes. That you've got to discipline yourself to enjoy and appreciate the good when it comes in your life. Look at this in verse 12. He says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. That there's nothing better than to be joyful and to do good. And then he goes on to say, and that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. So while good and bad are happening at the same time, we have to position ourselves. We have to discipline ourselves to say, I am going to choose to enjoy and savor the things that are good. That means as you have a good meal, like one that's just like full of flavor, your response is, God, thank you. Maybe you're hanging out with friends and it's just like the laughter is flowing. There's this interpersonal connection that's just like good. And you're like, man, I wish we could just stay here and talk all night. Introverts like, I've never experienced that before. But those of you who aren't, you know what I'm talking about. And you would say, man, I just, I wish we could, like your response to that moment should be, God, thank you for the ability to connect with people like this. I think from my perspective that when you drink just really like artisan coffee, that just like tastes pretentious as it goes down the gullet and you feel it on your tongue. Like there's something where as you drink that and you enjoy, you should, your response should be, God, thank you that I can enjoy this. Because here's what this text says. Those things that God made, he didn't have to make. But he made them as a gift to you. Whatever it might be in your life that brings you joy, God did not have to create that thing, but he did so that he could give you joy. So our response to the joy needs to be one that, that, that thanks and celebrates God for what he does. I have this moment with my kids just about every morning when they go to school. I like to do the thing where I get down and I want to look at them in the eye and they give me this hug, okay? And it, for those of you who are parents, you know what I'm talking about. They, I can feel how much they love me by how they grab onto me. And there's sometimes this moment with them, with both of them, where honestly, like, they just don't want to let go. And they'll both, like, just kind of, like, pile on, and, like, Jack's trying to get a better grab, and Madeline tries to get in there, and they start fighting over how much they love me. And, and, and here's the thing, like, then they leave. And oftentimes, I do my devotions right after that moment. And, and after I have that moment, this is my feeling in my heart, is always, man, God, that feeling that I felt when they grabbed onto my neck, like you made me so that I could feel that. The fact that there's a human being who kind of looks like me that I made, that loves me and feels that way about me, and you let me feel that in my heart, you didn't have to do that. But you did it so that I could have joy. That it's, it's his gift to us, those moments. 
And, and for some of us, it's really hard for us to enjoy the gifts that God gives us. And, 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 and if you really want to experience this joy, if you really want to enjoy the pleasures of life, you've got to discipline yourself to see the gifts as they come. I see people do things like this, or like, I, I, like thinking of that moment with my kids. Like I, could, I can choose to savor and enjoy that moment, or I can quickly think, well, they're going to be teenagers soon, and they're not going to want to do that anymore. I get to pick how I want to respond. Like, I, I mean, I, I could. Some, one of the things people do when they, to, to not enjoy the blessings is, is instead of, like, enjoying it, they're just wait. like, they're thinking, okay, this is good right now. I'm excited to see how this turns poorly. Or, or they think, okay, well, I've experienced this blessing. I could enjoy this. But instead, you just, you just hoard it, and you don't realize that maybe God does some things through you or in you so that he can do things through you. Sometimes we get frustrated and we miss out on the blessing of God because instead of enjoying what God has given us, instead of thanking God for the things that he's, he's done to us, even in the midst of difficult seasons, what we do is we compare ourselves to other people who might have more. And if you don't want to enjoy the things that God has given you, just do a bunch of that because you're always going to find someone who's a little bit further along. That we have to discipline ourselves especially in times like these where there's good happening at the same time as bad, we've got to discipline ourselves <clears throat> to look and appreciate the things that are good. And then finally, we've got to be okay with realizing that we don't understand everything. That we've got to be okay with realizing that there are some things that are going to come our way that we just don't get. And the author of Ecclesiastes, he explains it this way. Look at this in verse 11. He says, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. But because there's eternity in our hearts, we're not always going to understand what's happening because we were made for more. We were made for more. We were made beyond the sun, but we live on this side of it. This is why when you go to a funeral, even if you're at a funeral with someone who's a believer, that there's a part of it that's hard. There's a part of it that doesn't make sense. There's something about it that just doesn't feel right. And that feeling that you feel, Solomon would describe as saying, well, that's you feel that way because there is eternity in your heart, and when eternity's in your heart, things that are finite don't always add up. Another reason why you're not always going to understand your story is because for a lot of you, you're in the middle of it. It's like picking up a book and reading it in the middle. Like, yeah, it's not going to make sense, and it might seem really hard, but you don't know how the story ends. And that's where we are. Like, we don't know the good. We don't always know how he's going to make everything beautiful, but here's what we can hold on to. We can hold on to the fact that he says that he will, and we can trust that he knows better than we do. Here's what I can tell you, new life. This is an uncertain time. <laughs> but it's not surprising. It shouldn't surprise us. Wouldn't it surprise Solomon? Because what does he say? There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to weep. 
There's a time to dance. There's a time for spring break, and there's a time for coronavirus. I added that last part. <laughs> so what do we do? As we respond, I would just, as we close and the band makes their way up, I want to read something to you that Jesus said. And it helps us make perspective of what is going on. This is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 29 and 31. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. What this does is this affirms their value. This affirms your value, but it also acknowledges the fact that sparrows fall. And hear me, God never promised us that bad things wouldn't happen. And he never promised us that we would only have seasons that we want. But instead, what this text helps us see is it helps us see that we can rest in knowing that all of the challenges that we face won't catch him off guard. And all of the challenges that we face will, not, will never fall outside of his care. That is where we are this morning. And we've quoted this verse a few times in this series, but I think it's very appropriate this morning. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Paul speaking, mindful of the seasons that we face, mindful that there are going to be things that we're going to understand, there are going to be things that we're not, there are things that we're going to want, there are things that we're going to hate, and this is what he says. We know for those who love God, God will work all things together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Whatever you're facing, whatever your fear is, God's word says he will work it together for good. That is our hope. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know that God is faithful and we're going to trust him. We're going to enjoy the seasons, the parts of the seasons that we are made to enjoy. Going to be okay with the moments where everything doesn't add up because we know the one who does. Would you pray with me this morning, God? Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 9:30 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.